This is the Stand Strong Podcast with Carrie Stoker, episode number 19, Setting Boundaries. Welcome to the Stand Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Stoker, and I help Latter-day Saint women strengthen their family relationships. Family life has many challenges, especially when a child suffers from mental illness. I understand these challenges, and I can teach you through stories and the Word of God how to navigate this challenging road. Hi, folks. Hey, thanks for joining me today. And we're going to talk about boundaries, setting boundaries, which I promised last week that we would dive into this and really get into um, how to do that. So I want to start by giving a visual about setting boundaries referring to Chief Captain Moroni, whom I love. I just love the stories about him. I admire him so much. So Chief Captain Moroni, he he instructed his people to throw walls of dirt up all the way around the city. Huge walls of dirt. And then on top of that, they would put works of timber, it says, and pickets and what you know, all the all the things towers. So their cities were totally surrounded by these walls. And then they had a tower to look out and see what was going on to see if there's any threat. And then what they did was if Lamanites that were coming to attack them would try to climb up the walls, I mean, easy target, they could shoot them down with their slings or with their arrows. Or the Lamanites tried to dig out this boundary, right? With their whatever, hands and shovels or whatever, they tried to to bring this wall down, but this was no match for the Nephites who were just standing up there on the wall, watching them, and they would take them out with their slings and their arrows. So they did this for physical safety. And so you can get this idea of this kind of boundary and they would defend it. It was for their physical protection. What if they had put this wall up, right? And beautiful wall, they have all of the... um, pickets and stuff up top and their tower, but they didn't do anything if the Lamanites came and crossed their boundary. They just let them climb the wall (laughs) and they came into the city, right? Like what was the purpose there if they actually didn't keep this boundary intact? But with the boundary, then they can say, hey, if you try to cross this wall, climb the wall or come into our city, we are going to take you out with our arrows and our slings. So they had like this very clear boundary, right? And and part of that being a very clear boundary, not that you could just see the boundary, but they defended it. So let's talk about um, swearing, since that's what brought this subject up last week in my podcast, is that I often hear clients say, I told my spouse, no swearing around me anymore. Okay. But then they say, and this is the boundary I set. Well, I just, I want to point out, this is not a boundary because a boundary sounds like this. A boundary starts with, if you fill in the blank, I will, and then you fill in the blank there. So with swearing, you say, if you swear, I will, and then you have the action that you will take. This isn't a threat. It's not a request. Like the one I had just said, like I hear clients say, I told my spouse no swearing around me anymore. So that one is just a request. But that's a lovely thing, 
<laughs> requesting, actually, you may start with that and they may comply, but what if they don't comply? And this is where then you have boundary violations. Your emotional safety is at risk. Yes, of course, request. I, I would say, of course, request, but but it might come down to you needing to set this boundary where if they do, then you will do something else. And I I heard of this long time ago. Um, there was a child in the family that just kept swearing. And so this was, they had lots of um, requests and consequences and all of that if the child did that. And so they decided that what they were going to do um, is that if the child swore, they would get up and leave. Wherever that was, in whatever situation, they were going to leave the presence of the child because they couldn't force the child to not swear, right? Like you can't force people to do this. <laughs> uh, you may even try to control it and all of that, but but they set a boundary. And so mom and dad, they were sitting one night with the home teachers and the and the child swore in front of the home teachers. They're in the family. So guess what mom and dad did? They stood up and they walked out of the room and there sat that child facing the home teachers by himself <laughs> without mom and dad there. So you know what? From what I remember of the story is that that stopped. The swearing in front of them stopped. So I love the story because it just illustrates, again, setting a boundary, which means if you swear, I will do this. So I've had some women who have actually set up some pretty amazing boundaries as we have discussed this topic about swearing is that I've had some of them say, oh, I'll ask them, okay, so what are you going to do in this situation? Because it helps them to really think through, right, different scenarios. Because what if you can't get up and leave the room? What if you're driving in the car? And so I had one client explain what she would do with that. What if you are on the freeway? way out of town, middle of nowhere, then what are you going to do? And so there might be something else like I'm going to put in my, my, um, headphones. I'm going to put on my headphones. So anyway, there's just different ways of handling this, but see, again, this is, if you do something, then I will do this. That's a boundary. And then you have to follow through. Oh my goodness. You have to follow through because remember, if you don't, then it just was like this lovely request. It was, it's, it's an idle threat. And you know, when we have those idle threats, it actually diminishes our validity of our word and our trustworthiness. And so you must follow through. So I want to talk about the story of Rosa Parks. Now, the part of the story I want to tell is 12 years before her famous refusal to give up her seat. And I was hearing about this, learning about this in a book called Seven Women. Excellent book. I recommend that one. But um, so Rosa Parks, 12 years before, she is on a bus or she gets on a bus and the bus driver is just awful to her. Um, vile behavior towards black skinned people is what he was known for. And he was awful to her. He was making the um, people with the black skin get on the bus, pay for their fare, get back off the bus and go around to the back door and get on in the back door so that they could sit in the in the back seats because the buses were segregated and the blacks had to sit in the back seat. So Rosa was frustrated with this because 
the back doors were already full of black people. Like all of the seats back there that were for blacks were all filled up. People were standing down um, along the stairs, even getting into the bus. And she, how could she, how could she get on? How, you know, try to explain this to the bus driver. And he just a slew of angry words. And he actually looked like he was going to strike her and force her to segregate. And she just had this, this moment of, this is my, this is my boundary. She got off that bus and she decided, I will not ever ride a bus that he is driving. I won't do it anymore. So this boundary became, if you, um, if you have vile behavior towards me, if you look, you're going to strike me, if you're going to verbally abuse me, force me to segregate, I will not be in your presence. And in this situation, it was, I won't ride your bus. So she didn't threaten him. In fact, she didn't verbalize her boundary to him at all. She got off the bus and she didn't ride his bus anymore. She would, you know, it was, um, it took a lot to avoid getting on, on his bus, but she did it. So I want you to notice the distinction between, you know, what Rosa might be thinking or feeling of a bus driver should not be racist. They shouldn't be verbally abusive. The, this is a, this is a manual, we call it, where we have like this instruction manual sort of a thing about how people should act and what they should be doing. And so this might have been going on in her head. I mean, it would have been mine and I would have been good with keeping that manual and totally believing it. Like a bus driver should not be verbally abusive, should not be um, looking like they're about to hit me, should not be making me to, or forcing me to segregate. So yeah, those are some, those are some things that we may keep in our belief system. And this is a manual, but this is different than this violation of boundary where Rosa says, if you do verbally abuse, if you do move to strike me, I will not be in your presence. And so you can ask someone to speak to you with dignity, but guess what? Adults can do what they want to do and they may or may not honor your request. And so you don't have to verbalize your boundary and make a request to everyone, right? Like you don't go around telling all the people that you come in contact with. By, by the way, if you, if you um, look like you're going to hit me, then I'm just not even going to be around you. Like, no, you don't, we don't have to do that. But you can have that boundary set in your mind, in your heart, you've decided this is what's going to happen if it looks like someone is going to hit me or if they're verbally abusing me or if they're swearing I'm actually going to leave their presence so now when you're setting boundaries remember it's in the sentence form of if you fill in the blank then I will and you fill in the blank there the boundary is about what you will do it's not about trying to control somebody else's behavior it's about what you will do. So you need to be really clear about what you want. You need to know exactly the things that you want and how you want them to happen. Um, 
you just need to be really clear about that to yourself, not to the other people. And maybe that's helpful. Maybe there's a conversation with somebody else that would really be helpful where you can make a request or that you need to tell them that that's your boundary. But you need to be clear about what that is. And I've talked through this with um, clients before. Like they're upset about how maybe their in-laws are treating their children. And, and so you just have to really dial it in. So what is it exactly? Oh, okay. So they spank your kids sometimes. Okay. And you don't want them to do that? All right. Well, then what you will do, if you cross this boundary, then I will um, maybe not let you take care of my kids or, you know, whatever that is. So there is a, there is a really clear description there of what you want is really important. Um, I used, I have some clear boundaries and one of those is I don't sit in the presence of gossiping. I just, I don't. And, and I have my, like if people will gossip, I have a few ways of handling it. Sometimes I have asked them to stop or just notice like I've made the request and, and then to say like, I don't, I don't, I don't, um, engage in conversation where people are gossiping. So sometimes I would do that. So sometimes I will just totally change the subject and I will do it abruptly, like right in the mid sentence of them, um, gossiping. So I've done it that way, or I just leave, especially if it's like a group of people and, and they're talking and gossiping, then I will just leave that group and, and go somewhere else. So I have different ways of handling that. But again, it's in that pattern of if you gossip, then I will do one of these couple of things. So you have to follow through with this. Again, if you don't follow through, it's just like those Lamanites climbing up on that wall, they can get in and and then you have boundary violations all the time. And this is where it becomes something that um, it, it makes it harder when you have had boundary violations for a long time, like you have allowed something a lot because it becomes harder to say something later, but it is so worth it to do it. So I encourage you to, even though it's been, a, it's gone on a while and there's been lots of boundary violations where you, um, where people have crossed your physical boundary space or your emotional boundary space, they've crossed that line, but you have allowed it. It, it does make it a little bit harder, but it is worth it. And so take, make that effort to do it. It improves relationships so much. You do stand the risk of really altering that relationship so that maybe you're not friends anymore. Maybe you don't see your mother-in-law anymore. You know, that can happen, but it's just, it's such a better place than what was going on in your head before, which is likely a lot of resentment and frustration and anger. It just feels so much better to set the boundary knowing that you are caring for yourself. I have another story. And this one is about how I learned to set a boundary and was able to apply it to a new situation because I used to, when I was younger, um, a younger mom with little kids, I would often babysit for people and take their children because I knew how much I appreciated it. And so I would often do that. And sometimes there'd be those that I felt like they took advantage of that a little bit. And 
And when I say that, like, even as I'm saying that out loud, I'm thinking you can't really take advantage. You actually give it. <laughs> so I allowed them to, I, I mean, I, I accepted, you know, their um, request to have, to watch their kids at times when I shouldn't have, because I then was, I mo- it moved me into resentment and, and um, I wasn't guarding my time like I wanted to, or that I, or that was a boundary for me. And so I started to learn how to say no and how to say no, but still maintain this great relationship or at least stay out of resentment and all of that. So one day, years later, um, when I became more practiced, there was a single gal in the ward who had a young child and in Relief Society, she asked for help with this child and because she had just got a job and she's single and trying to make ends meet and trying to kind of turn around her life a little bit and loved her story about all of that and but had the sense of okay this could be a situation where she makes lots and lots of requests and um and so I just needed to set my boundary and I had to be really clear in my own mind what that would be because I wanted to offer my help to her because I think she needed it. And, um, and I was happy to do that. It just, I just needed to have some bounds on it. So, so after Relief Society, I told her that I would be happy to watch her child that week while she went to work. And so, great. Could you watch them on Wednesday? I work these hours. I said, yep, I sure will. So then after that, she said, okay, now, can you watch him next Tuesday when I work? And so I was very clear in my own mind what, what the appropriate boundary would be for me. And so I said this, I would be happy to watch your son once a week when you work. And, but just once a week. That's the amount of time that I feel like I can give to you and I'm happy to do it. And so you decide which day that is, which day you're working. Cause I think she worked maybe three days a week, something like that. So she, she was thrilled like, ah, oh, she has someone to take care of her child until she could find childcare at least one day a week. So I did that a couple of weeks and she would set it up beforehand. Could you do it on this day? Could you do it? Could you do it on this day? And then one week after about the third week, um, we had scheduled for me to watch her child on a Thursday. And then she called me though on a Monday and she said, could you, can you watch him? Like something came up. Um, I don't know if they, if they added a day to her schedule or she just, she said, I couldn't find anybody to watch him tomorrow on Tuesday. Could you watch him? And I said, you bet I can. It, it actually fits into my schedule. I can, I can watch him tomorrow, but you will need to find someone else for Thursday. So I'm so happy to watch, watch him. So happy to do that. But this will be the one day of the week that I'll watch him. And it just, it was a little bit uncomfortable to say that, but not a ton. And it just felt so good. She didn't ask me anymore after that. Or if she did, she would say, I, I know I'm asking like to change the date, but can we? Um, and then I'll find somebody else for the other day. And it just worked out so good because you know what, in my heart, I, I loved watching this little one and, and her and I were good friends and we had great conversations. And so I enjoyed that and I could stay in the place of enjoying that because 
I had this boundary that, um, that I kept that if you ask me to watch him more often than this, I will say no, or I'll have, or we'll have to make the changes to it so that it just stays within these bounds. Okay, so just to wind up this discussion on boundaries, take a look at what you think is a boundary that you've set. Because I often hear that, oh, I've set boundaries and can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. And I just want you to notice your own language in your head about it, okay? Is it like this list of things that you're asking someone not to do or telling them, right? You're... Is it is it a list? Is it something that you're telling them that they shouldn't do? Are you really trying to control someone else's behavior? Because a true boundary isn't about that. A true boundary is about what you will do. All right. I wanted to also just to pipe in again about the retreat that I'm planning for Leading Saints. I mentioned it last week. We have recorded a little series of short podcasts that explain the retreat. Those should be coming out. I will let you know as soon as they do, but I think they are scheduled for the next few days. So I will let you know when those are coming and direct you to the place where you can sign up for this retreat. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. I'm just so excited. I'm excited about the menu. I'm excited about the venue, but I'm really excited about the way this um, the way this retreat will be ran because it's going to be different and it's going to be so powerful and a lot of growth can come from this retreat. So uh, so anyway, I hope you'll check it out. Um, I'll give you all that information as soon as I have it, as soon as it is ready to go. But in the meantime, folks, have a fantastic week and let's talk next week. If you like the Stand Strong podcast, please like and subscribe. <laughs>